It's the Locked On Canes podcast where it's all about the you. My name is Fred Purdue. I'm one of your hosts. I'm joined by Cam Underwood, my co-host, where it is a great day in Canes world. What's going on, Cam? Yo, just out here chilling, ready to get this episode popping. So let's go. For sure, for sure. So before we get into it, let's jump. Let's jump into the formalities, aka the house cleaning. Make sure you go follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Canes. Follow Cam on Twitter at Underwood Sports. Myself on Twitter at Fred Purdue CFB. We have a jam-packed show. We'll be talking a little bit of pro canes. We have some good and some bad. We also have some recruiting news and maybe some – and we have a new addition to the maybe superstar club in the for the Miami Hurricanes and see how his impact has uh, helped this team take step it up a little bit more than we've seen early in the season. So let's jump right into it. So we have some pro canes news. One, Gerald Willis, one of the best defensive tackles we've seen in a while at the University of Miami, has been elevated from the practice squad to uh, the full-time roster. Love it. Adrian Colbert. With with Adrian Colbert, former Miami Hurricane, also safety, has also been elevated for the Miami Dolphins. Now, you know I don't – I have some disdain for that team, but I guess anytime there's a hurricane involved, I don't mind. Yeah, yeah. So – I mean, look, y'all know that I'm from Detroit and I'm cursed with the affliction of being a Lions fan, so whatever. But, uh, yeah, no, it's good for both of those guys. You know, Adrian Colbert was having a very good start to his career in San Francisco and it got a little bit derailed with a couple injuries. And he's, uh, you know, bounced around, so now he's gotten signed by the Dolphins. Gerald Willis III, obviously, uh, transferred from uh, Florida to Miami. Best in decision college. of his life. Honestly, it really was. Uh, sat out two different seasons, one as a transfer and one for personal reasons uh, that were never really delineated, even though there has been some chatter about what that, you know, those personal reasons were. I'm not going to speculate on those, but, you know, message boards and other places have, have made their, their speculations on why he stepped away uh, a couple of years ago. But, yeah, Willis has been around here in Miami for, you know, a good long time and now getting elevated to the 53-man roster. And he's a guy who I thought we had a chance to stick uh, with an NFL team, even after you know being very lowly drafted after a very, very, very good uh, fifth year here at Miami, so you know really excited for both of those guys. Adrian Colbert, like I said, he was flashing like ten-year starter kind of performance before he got injured uh, for the 49ers. They were actually uh, letting other defensive backs go and going to build the secondary around him uh, when he got injured. And then Gerald Willis the third, obviously, like we said. Uh, played really well in his uh, last year here at Miami. So, you know, a good on both of those guys to get another week and another game towards their NFL pensions. And hopefully, you know, they step up on the field and they show what they can do. Unfortunately, it is for the Miami Dolphins. And hey, those guys have not had a lot, of, a lot of success. But when you have four, not one, not two, not three, but four, Miami Hurricanes on a team, that's a good way to build around. Uh, you also you have Trent Harris, Allen Hearns, the vet, uh, he just got paid also, uh, and Gerald Willis and Adrian Colbert. I think those are some decent pieces to to help build a team that seems like they're going in the tanking it situation. So we'll keep an eye on that as far as, you know, the whole Pro Canes thing is concerned. Aren't they, though? Because the Dolphins have won a couple. Like, yeah, they, they've kind of screwed themselves out of that. They're the wild okay. card now. Uh, okay, okay. See now, see now, see, see, see. See what? Okay, so here, here's the thing. They screwed themselves out of what they originally wanted to do. They wanted to be the worst team in the league, get the top pick. 
Did Dra- they though? No, they they have not. They have not secured the bag. They actually fumbled the bag multiple times, and I think that's one of the things that once you're going to see with this team is. Uh, I think it's, it won't hurt them too much, especially if they go after the guy I think they're going to go after, too. Um, did I say that out loud? Sorry. Um, but, yeah, I think they're going to be fine if they go after the guy that they're supposed to. Don't botch this thing. Uh, Josh Rosen's okay, but when you have a chance to go get a guy like Tua, who's, when he's not hurt, he's really good. Uh, this team can, can put guys around him. Honestly, I think that would be it. For me, I wouldn't – for me, when you see how this team is with – uh, Flores as your head coach I think you're trying to bring I guess you're trying to be New England South I don't know if that's going to be possible those guys never really turn out to be great once they leave the mothership and uh, but I wish him I wish him all the best but it's going to be a tough one yeah and I mean honestly with the way that the Dolphins built the roster I don't necessarily think they uh you know, we're trying really to tank. I mean, they traded for Rosen, who has some talent. They mm-hmm. signed Fitzpatrick, who at a minimum is a competent NFL quarterback. I mean, if you wanted to tank, there were other ways to go about it. But, you know, there are four Hurricanes on that squad now. They're playing at Hard Rock Stadium for, you know, all their home games, which is where they play their home games in college. So hopefully, you know, those guys uh, are able to put on a, a good show. Uh, congrats to uh, Alan Hearns, like you said, who just got a two-year, $8.5 million extension which proves yet again that, you know, if you come to the U, you'll go to the NFL and get paid, mm-hmm. uh, even as somebody who went undrafted. And this is his second pretty big contract because if you remember, he got that big bag. Big, oh, yeah, big, he big got bag. the big bag. Yeah, he did. Over he really, in, Jacksonville. in Jacksonville. And then he got another, you know, medium-sized bag in Dallas, and then he got hurt, and now he got another medium-sized bag for, you know, for NFL terms uh, in or here in Miami again. So, uh, you know, that, that has to feel good for him. You know, a kid from who went to Carroll City High School. And yes. Carroll City Senior High is around the corner from Hard Rock Stadium, if y'all don't know. So, Carroll City is right on 183rd. Just, uh, just past, what is that, 32nd, I want to say. So, you go down to 183rd, which is, you know, a mile and a half, or a mile south of 199th. Then you bust that right. And you go down two lights, and the school is right there. Like, right there, right there. So, for a kid who went to Carroll City in Allen Hearns, then he played at the U, so he's playing around the corner right there, and now he's back in the city where he grew up and played, you know, all his entire life, family and friends around. That has to be really cool for him. So, uh, very, very happy for all those guys, you know, uh, who are Hurricanes now playing for the Dolphins and, you know, all the other Pro Canes as well, but we talked about some of those guys yesterday. Definitely, and uh, I hate to bring up the bad news, but we do have some bad news, and it makes us look bad as Hurricanes. I think I thought we cleaned that up with the Randy Shannon era and uh, the and the Al Golden era, but clearly look, not. I, I will put it like this: I think that well, there's one that's current, but one that I guess we hadn't spoken of. I think that's more about these individuals and their malfeasance than anything else, because I have never done anything like what either of these people were alleged or convicted or pled guilty to doing. Yeah, I mean, this one's, this one's unexcusable. You, you might even lose your Miami card for this one. You might lose, lose the, the cool guy card. I don't know. It, it's just not cool to do it. Uh, one Mark Walton, who I thought should have stayed in school, he didn't, decide to come out. He was drafted in, what, the fourth round, went to the Bengals. I mean, the Bungles, and did things that Bungles do. And he was arrested. He took cops on a chase, got kicked off the team, moved on to Miami, 
that he's played in a couple games, actually got a couple starts, uh, put up some okay numbers, not great. Uh, but then now involved with domestic violence with this with a pregnant girlfriend. With an allegation. It's an allegation, yes. Yeah, so we allegedly. We, allegedly. Allegedly. But it just it's not a good look. if you're even connected to something like that. Yeah. And you know, it just like I said, I've never done anything like that, so it's not about, oh, this is what Miami people do. I think that that's what Mark Walton allegedly does or has done. Um and yeah, you know, when um it was, it was kind of a shock yesterday because just randomly in the morning, the Dolphins were like, oh, we released Mark Walton. And we're like, he, was, he started. I was like, what? <laughs> like, he looked like he could have carved out a nice little niche career for himself mm-hmm. on the field. And then the whispers, like, were quick. And then a couple of, you know, uh, journalists reported, nah, it was, you know, he was, he's alleged to have uh, punched uh, his pregnant girlfriend in the head and face area multiple times. And as soon as the Dolphins found out about that, cut bait. And I don't see that there's any way uh, to move otherwise. I mean, if what alleged, if if what alleged that Mark Walton did is true, then I mean, I, it's just deplorable, obviously. And uh, yeah, that was that was quite bad. Uh, but the other one, and I know this is, this was uh, maybe a couple of weeks ago, was Kellen Winslow II. Um, he pled guilty to, uh, or was found guilty, one of those two. Um, to a bunch of different things uh, involving, like, just, it, I mean, you, you can look it up. I didn't. Yeah, I don't want to. Yeah, yeah. So I'm not going to sit here and, and say things that are wrong. But, uh, yeah, it, it was a, a, a couple very unsavory situations with uh, Kellen Winslow II as well uh, and things. So, yeah, unfortunately, uh, you know, people, they, you know, I, it, I get, well, that one has been proven or convicted. So, is pretty bad, obviously. Uh, and you don't like to, to have those things. And obviously, you know, like at State of the U, like, you know, even in articles giving lists of things, I said, leave leave Kellen Winslow off. Oh, he, he's a top tie, five tight end uh, to have ever gone to Miami. He was picked at number whatever, whatever. And I told the writer, I said, leave him off of the list because we cannot <laughs> condone that. I don't even want to have that little bit of blowback for having his name on a list article on our mm-hmm. website. So, you know. Uh, just between yeah him and, and Mark Walton, obviously not the kind of things that we want to hear about with the Miami Hurricanes. Um, but you know, onward we go, and you know, I wish them the best in their endeavors. But uh, I don't anticipate speaking about them on this air ever again. Yeah, I don't either. And, and it, it, those are uh, despicable acts. And quite honestly, this is the one and only time they get a little shine. So your shine has ended as of three, two, one, done. All right. So we're moving on to we have a little bit of the lifeblood of college football. And we'll be talking a little recover, a little recruiting, maybe an Alabama decommit might be see, seeing the light and coming to greener pastures Let on the other side. Talk recruiting. I love it. Coming up next. All right, so we have a little bit of recruiting news, just a little. Uh, we have a Alabama decommit. Tell us about it, Ken. What do you? What you're the recruiting guy here, and and for, tell us the good news. Well, uh, yeah. So if you uh, have been reading my work on State of the U, and I know that uh, everybody has been well, not everybody, but lots of the people who do read uh, my recruiting pieces, uh, where you know I basically listen to as much as I can, read as much as I can, talk to some people and, and put some things together just to kind of reset the landscape uh, called the re- uh, class breakdown. I was doing that once a month in previous years, but there's been so little movement, especially with the lo- losses early this year. It's been a little bit more 
uh, protracted the distance between those pieces. So some have been asking. But if you read any of these earlier uh, in this cycle, a name that you will know is wide receiver Dazzlin Worsham. And he's from Tr uh, Trussville, Alabama. Uh, he goes to Hewitt Trussville High School. He's an All-American, four-star recruit, about six feet tall, 180 pounds, fast, quick, good hands, you know, dominant player, all of those things. He was committed to Alabama for more than a year. So that's in his sophomore through his junior seasons. Took an, uh, uh, took an official visit to Miami this past spring, and shortly after that, decommitted from Alabama, which led everybody to think, hey, you were just on campus in Coral Gables. You're about to flip to Miami. The, that, the other shoe never dropped with that, though. So everybody was waiting, waiting, waiting. And as time went on, you figure, okay, he hasn't been to Miami in a while, ever since April. So you think, okay, maybe he's down to Miami and Alabama because Dazlin put up a edit of that earlier. And so you figure, okay, he's gonna go back to Bama. But over the course of time, behind the scenes reportedly, Miami's just been working. Just hitting him up every now and then. Hey, yo, what's up, what's popping? Da -da -da. You know, still wants you down here, yada, yada, yada. Daz Worsham on Sunday tweeted, he said, okay, that's it. I'm making my decision on Friday, which perked up the ears and eyes of everybody. And, you know, according to Andrew Ivins, who was on our podcast a while ago and other recruiting writers as well, everything looks like Daz Worsham has decided he's coming to Miami. And for a guy of his caliber, that is a big win. And you, if you go into Alabama and take a kid away from Alabama, that's a big win. You know, and again, four-star All-American wide receiver recruit. What else do you want? So if you're talking about, oh, uh, Marcus Fleming from Miami Northwestern decommitted last week, you flip that and then you get Daz Worsham, that's a win. Absolutely, completely and totally. So it looks as though that's what's going to happen in a couple of days' time, um, which adds talent and firepower to this recruiting class and roster, which is a good thing. So that's where things stand. You know, when I'm looking at Daz Warsham's film as we're talking, as you're talking and just visualizing what this kid can be, he has, he's, he can really, um, he's a deep ball guy. And that's what I'm liking from, he, he reminds me a little bit of Mark Pope a little bit, but a little bit taller. Uh, and if that's what you're getting. Uh, I wouldn't have too much of an issue with it. He looks like one of those guys that likes to, he likes the, the flashy catches. He likes to, he's acrobatic. That's the best way I can describe him. Uh, One-handed catches galore. He gets behind defenses pretty easy. Good feet, decent hands. He's an okay route runner. I think he'll get better over time. But everything you see on film of him that I've seen in the few minutes that we've been talking here has all been, he is, he has deep ball speed and he can get, if he gets behind you, it's over. Uh, if you get a guy like that, that's what Miami likes. You're not going to like we were talking a little bit off air. You were so we were saying Miami doesn't really go after the six foot five guy. I mean, there's very few and far between. If they come, they happen to come, but they're really only red zone targets. They're not like a Mike Evans where he's just your number one guy. Um, Miami looks for is more of a speed uh, a speed guy. I mean, really the tallest receivers you ever see at Miami outside of maybe a Tommy Street or Lawrence Cager type is really six two ish. After, outside of that, you don't see a guy that's just really outrageously tall. Um, but 
I like what I see from him. Uh, I think the route running will get better over time. But if he's one of those guys, those those six foot, hundred eight, if he tops out at maybe two hundred pounds, maybe six one, he has decent speed. He's going to be a problem because when you have guys that can, he can play inside and outside, and he has a pretty diverse route tree. And mm-hmm. from what I'm seeing, he's turning guys in circles, and that's mm-hmm. what I love to see. He can he has a pretty diverse route tree, and that's very hard to say nowadays in in high school football where it's a bubble screen kind of game. Yeah, and if you see it, you know, first of all, Daz Worsham is is sudden, mm-hmm. you know, with, with his movements. It's not like oh, it's going to take eight or ten steps to build up to speed. Like exactly, he's, he's a sudden athlete. He has quick twitch muscle, you know, and he uses it well. Uh, and I know everybody does have quick twitch muscle, but you get what I mean. Like, he, mm-hmm. he is more sudden than your average guy. Um, he does have a verse route tree, um, you know, and he has the ability to be acrobatic. Now, if you think about him in the Miami offense, if you say, okay, he's Mark Pope, but, but a little taller, because Mark Pope is listed at six feet tall, but I don't think he's that tall. Um, that's why but I said. Yet, that's why I said. Right. That. I know. Yeah, I'm, I'm connecting those dots for people who are probably saying, wait, Fred said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways. But he, you know, Daz Worsham, if you think he could play the KJ Osborne position, mm. he could play and he could, you know, embody some of the role of a Mark Pope or a Jeff Thomas position. You know, he has the ability to do those things. So if you're looking for uh, a jet sweep, if you're looking for uh, a now screen, if you're looking for RPO slant, if you're a play action post, you know, all the things. And you're, if you think about, okay, these are the routes that Miami receivers have run this year. I don't see one of them that Daz Worsham could not either have in his arsenal or add to his arsenal. So that just increases his flexibility and the flexibility of the offense because now if you have a lot of guys with a diverse skill set, now you can just interchange them and the off or the defense is not going to know, okay, this guy's in the game, this is the play that's going to happen, and this is the strength of the formation or anything like that. Like that's not a thing that will be necessarily dictated uh, if you add Daz and Worsham to the roster. So, yeah, you know, and again, going up against Alabama has been problematic for everybody because they're just a recruiting monster. And I wrote a couple of years ago evaluating the battles that Miami and Alabama have had on the recruiting trail, and it was closer than you would think a couple of years ago. It's, it's gotten extended out recently where Alabama has really just dominated the head-to-heads. The thing about it with Alabama is, while at the time it was like 13 to 11 Alabama for Miami on the 24 players that they'd gone after uh, in like the recent five year span a couple of years ago. All the other dudes on the Alabama roster that Miami couldn't even get a callback from. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like that pretty girl in class, you're like, oh, you get her number, you send her a text, and you get left on red because nah, she's not trying to talk to you, Playboy. That's everybody else on their roster. So even if you go, you know, 50% against the guys that you're battling for, uh, with them for, the rest of those dudes aren't even giving you the time of day. And that's the difference. So now if you can bring that proportion maybe a little bit more in Miami's favor for, okay, we're going to maybe – and like, if you look back on the roster, guys like Chad Thomas was a five-star who chose Miami over Alabama. Amon Richards chose Miami over Alabama, and he was their number one target at wide receiver that year. Like, yo. Just- so to get a – I, I I don't mean to cut you off, but I'm just – as soon as you said Amon Richards, I'm just thinking what would that offense look like now? They're already a little freakishly good. Putting him on that team would be 
in a whole nother. Yeah, that'd be a whole nother. Oh, so you're, you're back to talking about the Patriots because he would have been three into the NFL in the first round draft pick. Yeah, sadly. Um, yeah. You know what I mean? So, I mean, yeah. I, I get, like, yeah. the dream of what Amon would look like on this yeah. offense, but yeah. Amon would have been in the show if he wouldn't have gotten injured. This is true. And injured and this injured is true. and injured. This is true. You know. Um, but, yeah, you know, so so adding a guy like a Daz Worsham, uh, a cat, that kind of athlete would be a big win for Miami. And now, okay, just like Manny Diaz said, you're going to have some – reshuffling of things, you know, uh, getting new guys, maybe, you know, letting some guys go uh, from the, the commit list and things like that. You're already seeing that being proven true. And the big question for me and a lot of people was, how is this staff going to recruit? Because, again, you have to acquire the kind of players that you need to win. The blue chips, the talented guys, bigger, faster, stronger. Those are the guys that you want. Is Miami going to be able to go out there and get those guys? And if you take a step forward by getting a guy like a Dazzling Worsham in this recruiting class, that answer starts to trend towards yes. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And I think um, it'll give you some depth because you are going to be losing some guys. Uh, Again, again, you're losing KJ Arms Osborne. I wish so much that we could have gotten him for one more year. I actually started – he was really kind of growing on me. Uh, I didn't really know what to expect from him. I mean, I know he was a South Florida guy, but, you know, when you have a transfer, you mm-hmm. don't – he – was he – I'm pretty sure – wasn't he a – he no, was – he's from he's from Ypsilanti, Michigan. He transferred to IMG Academy in Brady. Ah, uh, okay, 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 okay. Yeah. My mistake. So shout out to Ipsy. Yeah, I'm sorry. My mistake. Um, when I look at, when I look at him, I think, give me one more year of that. And I would, I wanted to get kind of a, I get attached to my players sometimes. And KJ is one of those guys you get, he's, he's, he seems like a very upstanding kind of guy. He seems like that leader that you need in that receiver room amongst a bunch of young, young, young cats that really are ready to break out. And he's that guy that just passed that torch on because he knows what losing is like. I mean, it's not like uh, Khalil Mack was walking through the door anymore there. So, I mean, granted, he had a big, strong quarterback throwing the football to him and Tyree, uh, Tyree Jackson. But, oh, yeah, yeah it, there's a different the, – the ball jumps off his arm a little bit different than anybody at Miami, even including Jaron. But um, you're still losing at a high rate. And when you come here, you see what the – the, what what it's like to kind of win a little bit, even if it was a bit of a struggle. So when you see guys like him, it, it, it I would love to have seen him one more year, maybe just to help develop a guy like that. Yeah, but, you know, K.J. Osborne being older, having been around for a while, having had to work on his craft to get mm-hmm. to where he is and be a strong performer, you know, he that level of quote-unquote professionalism, the way that you go about your business. I think that him leading by example, by embodying that, has really helped out uh, this team in this receiver room. And coming up in a second, we're going to talk about the person that I think, or you think also, that K.J. Osborne's presence might have helped the most. You'll find out who that is in just one second. All right, so we're back. And earlier we were talking about you know recruiting, getting guys on the roster and then obviously the next step of that is development and you know when you have a guy like a KJ Osborne he sets the stage for the younger guys to step and develop and grow into their spotlight and the guy there's one guy on the roster who I think has grown more at the wide receiver position this year than anybody else and we were talking about that off air before so Fred who is your most improved 
wide receiver who is now almost on superstar watch. D. Wiggins. I mean, a former three-star recruit. Uh, Miami Southridge with Mark Pope. Just think of those two guys throwing at those two guys. That's a quarterback's dream. I mean, you got a fast guy and then you got a tall, fast guy. I think I'll take both. Um, but, you know, when you look at he's the height, weight, speed guy, but he's also got pretty decent hands. And there are not too many guys that can go up against someone like him who has the body control and the ability to get behind guys. There, there are very few guys in college football that can actually get behind you. I mean, you're still playing in, in a Power 5 conference. Let's not, let's not forget you're still playing against teams like Florida State despite their ineptitudes right now. But you're playing against good players. And seeing the, seeing him get behind people, not just with pure talent, but great route running. It's been a, a breath of fresh air for me because I, for a while, was saying, all right, D. Wiggins, I'm probably going to have to kick the bucket on you after probably the end of this season. And he's changed my opinion a lot so far. Yeah, I mean, he's developed. I think, you know, there are other guys in the position who um, – and, you know, some guys have left. Brian Hightower looked mm-hmm. like he got passed over. Evidence Njoku, you know, who's older, so he'd been here longer. They said, hey, maybe you want to try tight end like your brother David because I don't necessarily see you playing much at wide receiver. He's left. So, yeah, there are other guys at that position who Wiggins passed. And, you know, it just – it was always going to take him a little bit of time. He was not as refined uh, a route runner or – uh, you know, things like that, as was Mark Pope. And, you know, Mark Pope was a four-star, borderline five-star. I think rivals had Mark Pope as a five-star recruit. Um, you know, uh, he was coming out. And he made more plays in high school. Now, their quarterback situation at Miami Southridge was dumpster juice. Oh, my goodness. Um, so neither of their stats in high school were great, but a play needed to be made to win a state championship. They threw a ball up the left sideline to D. Wiggins. It didn't work out. Call timeout. Mark Pope said, hey, yo, coach, call that same thing. Put me over there. They did that. He scores from 72 yards out. Southridge wins the state championship. So, you know, you you think that Mark Pope is going to be that guy, but it just took some time for D. Wiggins. And like you're talking about, look, that play against Louisville on that post, when he turned that dude around, catching the ball, and he's running up the middle of the field on a post route, which is literally, by definition, inward breaking towards the middle of the field. And the dude is spinning around looking to the sideline like, where did he go? Like, I mean, that didn't happen by happenstance. That was just a supreme performance by D. Wiggins. And I think that we're starting to see him put it together in a way where there were some people, even when this recruiting class signed in 2018, who said that D. Wiggins was the number one or number two prospect at wide receiver that year, regardless of ranking. And I think that we're seeing that. And if he's taking a step forward, hopefully everybody else is taking a step forward, then hopefully we add a Dazzlin' Worsham and a couple other guys in this recruiting class, and they can continue to increase the talent level and push things in a positive way. But D. Wiggins has to be, uh, you know, just the guy who's very exciting for you right now. He is. He really is. And, you know, these last couple games are, are where you see the full breakout. I mean, he's averaging about 19 yards a catch, which is just outrageous. Um, you and for me, where you've seen the growth, I mean, you've seen the somewhat of the inconsistencies to start the season, but even in the loss to Virginia Tech, four catches, 64 yards. So you see where that's coming from. You see the production. Georgia Tech, two catches, 62 yards. Uh, also, again, 
Uh, Florida State, four catches, 74 yards. I think that's where the transformation was kind of started. And again, Louisville, three catches for 85 yards on that one big post play, of course. Took up a big chunk of that, but still, you see the explosive plays. And that's where you, I think you're going to see him kind of evolve. Yeah, he can run and he can be the, the possession guy, but can he can also be the big play guy. He can be your true X receiver, the the big dog of the group. Uh, I don't think Miami's to that point where they're like Alabama, where receivers are just playing rock paper scissors for which route is who's going to get which route. But I think you can get to that point over time, especially if your your alpha dog receiver can can push everyone else for reps. Because at some point he's going to say, "Hey, give me the ball, put the ball in my hands. These guys don't want it. I want it." And if that happens, if that happens, that will happen over time in the spring when the coaches aren't around. That's how you'll know how dedicated he is to his craft. If you're hearing reports in the spring, he's running routes. He's doing all the extra things, run, doing extra running, extra lifting, extra catching sessions. If he's doing those things, that's when you're going to see a completely different D. Wiggins. And he'll, he'll, I think he'll blow up a little bit more. He can fill that frame out just a little bit more. Yeah, he can add more weight to it. I I think it's going to be interesting for me because just like we talked about with both he and Pope coming from the same high school and everything, it'll be interesting seeing their uh, their personas change because Mark Pope was always the guy, the superstar, and then it was the sidekick. What happens now when Robin becomes Batman? You know what I mean? Like, D. Wiggins was the other dude and he's becoming the guy, and the guy who was the guy for the long time is now seemingly relegated to sidekick status. I'm interested to see from that standpoint because I don't get that uh, Keyshawn Johnson just throw me the darn ball mentality from a D. Wiggins just because he's always been number two. Can't, does he have the mentality to be a number one because he has a physicality. He's obviously showcasing the performance to be number one. Mm -hmm. Does he have the mentality for it? But that's a journey that I'm excited for him to take and one that I'm willing to see how it plays out. Definitely. And I think we'll see a little bit of that uh, going into this FIU game. And, you know, that FIU game is going to be played at at the, the location of the old orange bowl. And, just for that, we'll be having, we'll be kind of talking to a former Miami Hurricane that actually has some story times from that old OB on tomorrow's episode. So make sure you stay tuned to that. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Locked On Canes. Cam, of course, you can be found at Underwood, at Underwood Sports, and you can find myself on Twitter at Fred Purdue CFB. Until tomorrow, folks, again, where we will have a former Miami Hurricane speaking to you guys with some, with a little bit of story time. I am Fred. That is Cam. We are uh, we're approaching that last little bit before game day. Uh, so stay tuned and uh, go Canes. Talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually we just brush it off or blame ourselves saying things like I lost my mojo or we avoid it altogether with excuses like I had a long day at work or sorry, honey, I'm just not feeling it. But with Roman, it is easy to talk about it with a real doctor who can provide real medication. It's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. The doctor will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. 
Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com locked and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a doctor and take care of it. Just go to GetRoman.com locked to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com locked for a free visit to get started. GetRoman.com locked. 